of their own this is episode 158 of a pod of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda serovich hello linda hey allison i'm maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison so after taking three out of four from the marlins to begin the season (laughs) the mets had a series of which after this we will never speak of again um They got swept in Milwaukee and totally got their butts handed to them. Just a complete decimation in every sense of the word. Just one of those series. Um, They haven't played well in Milwaukee in a few years now. I think that they, what was the stat that they repeated over and over? That they've lost like 12 of their last 16 games there or something like that. Yeah. Oh, It's been really bad. Um, it's not what you want is definitely not what you want decidedly not what you want um but they bounced back after that to take two of three from the marlins uh the marlins again uh opening weekend at city field and now they don't play the marlins again till like september it's a very weird schedule but even if this the is last- the marlins though that we're going to be facing i wouldn't mind seeing them in september that could be yeah. helpful yeah true but even the last game of the marlins was like the vibes were bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was not good. I mean, we can talk about that now because it was on my it was on my notes to discuss. Yeah. Uh, but Carlos Carrasco looks really bad. Like, there's really no way around it or way of sugarcoating it. Like, he looks basically cooked. Um, and that's a problem for the Mets. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be. I mean, yes, it's a problem, but. I think Verlander said he hopes to be back by the end of the month, so it might just end up sorting itself out. Yeah, I but, mean, possibly. But they were kind of, because then that means if Carrasco's cooked, that still means you're stuck with Peterson and McGill, which is also not what you want. Exactly. Um, Like having, we talked about this before, having Peterson and McGill in the rotation at the same time is not ideal. They are both fine to fill in. But having them together in the rotation for any extended period of time is like the red flag indicator that the Mets are not okay. (laughs) Um, And it might end up happening not in the way we expect. It might end up happening because Carlos Carrasco is worse than either of them, which is not an outcome I expected necessarily. Well, Allison, it might not be them the whole season, though, because one of them could also get hurt. True. (laughs) Well, it also, there's still like some speculation that it's the pitch clock and they just need time to adjust and how it's affecting older pitchers more. I don't know if I particularly buy it, but I'll give it until May before we truly start panicking. Yeah, I mean, I buy that it is affecting him, certainly. Um now, I won't use this as another excuse to unleash a rant about the pitch clock. I've already done my cursory rant against the yeah. pitch clock. You don't have to hear it again. But I certainly buy that it is affecting him in the way that he says. It makes sense that one would, when one is used to taking more time between pitches and suddenly you can't and you're th- and you're throwing kind of rapid fire that you would fatigue more quickly. Yeah. But like, I don't know what, like, there's no solution to that. Like, you just have to, deal with it like he can't he can't fix it (laughs) the pitch clock is the pitch clock it's 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 here to stay so he has to adjust to it Um, I think just pacing also you know just and I think a lot of pitchers are going to go through that also just like they just can't go as hard with less recovery time between they just actually have to make that adjustment which isn't easy especially on the fly like this too yeah and we've been seeing it with Scherzer too. I mean, like he Scherzer has repeatedly kind of uh, said that he doesn't actually like the pitch clock in the sense that he doesn't like the pace of the game changing. Um, he likes the idea of being able to use it as a manipulation tactic 
but he doesn't actually like like the outcome of like he doesn't like the quicker pacing but he but he likes the pitch clock as a mind game because he's a psycho. Um, <laughs> but I think that we're noticing like Scherzer is fatiguing more quickly in his starts. We we've already seen it in his first three starts. Now he's, it, he's pitching as we record this on Monday night, April 10th. And he threw a hundred pitches through five innings. He's probably going to be done now, even though he had a great start ultimately, he just hasn't looked like himself so far this season. And, you know, it might just be that he's another year older and, you know, this this was always a possibility um, that he can't keep up a Cy Young caliber Hall of Fame career forever. Um, but it might also be the pitch clock sort of affecting him also. We don't know that. Um, well, it seems like anytime baseball decides to make a change it favors the batters and ends up being detrimental to the pitchers. Like what they juiced the ball in 2019. Everybody loved it. Cause Ooh, everybody's saying home runs. This is so fun. But then of course, I mean, it's not our fault that they learned how to throw harder than God. Like <laughs> They broke baseball by being too good. Congratulations. <laughs> you win pitching. Now you have to speed up or yeah. whatever. You have to rate it back in. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Cause they were still so saying, on SNY yesterday, which I hadn't thought of, which is a good point, like Keith and Gary were saying, um, with the games going faster, when like during night games, you're getting home earlier, so you're getting more sleep. Uh, and then they were like, well, and then they just used the example of Lindor. He's on his feet less. Like they, they figured out it's like 80 innings worth or 80 hours worth of less time. He's on his feet now during a game. I would like to be on my feet for 80 fewer hours a year. <laughs> Sign that me does up. make a difference, I think. So they said, yeah, like come the end of the year, it might be better for the position players who won't be as tired now. Yeah. I mean, and I think we've also seen it with Kodai Sanga. I mean, Kodai Sanga has been the Mets' best starting pitcher. I don't think there's any argument yeah, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Linda's bold prediction looking still looking good. Um, yep. <laughs> but even Sanga, who's been the Mets standout performer in the rotation so far, the Mets have won both games he's pitched. He's pitched very well in both. But he has clearly also run out of gas by like six innings in both starts. Um, and I don't know if that's just like adjusting to the major leagues um, or if it's adjusting to the pitch clock or what. Um, I mean, I, I admittedly, I haven't looked up like his average, like his average innings per start, um, when he was in Japan. Um, but it's, it, it definitely seemed like something that he was not expecting to like be tired, um, that early in a game. So I don't know how much of that is an effective, like just adjusting to the, the major leagues and everything and a new team and a new environment and all of that stuff, or how much of it is the pitch clock. And it's probably impossible to disentangle all of that. Well, I think we'll start to see we'll we'll start to see a little more analyses coming out of like baseball prospectus and all those places that pretty soon that we'll start to dig in a little more to like year over year. Like are pitchers all getting tired faster? Are uh, you know, just you know, are these trends that we're sort of feeling, are they really showing up um across the board? Or maybe it's just some pitchers. Like, I don't know, I'm as a data head, I'm really excited to kind of see what's what's coming up because there's numbers galore. Yes. Whenever there are rule changes, there are always like new numbers that come out of it. Obviously, we've already seen the most obvious, like immediately tangible and uh, countable effect or a quantitative effect is that we've seen stolen base numbers absolutely skyrocket yeah. across the league. Um and it, particularly when it comes to the Mets, I mean, Starling Marte has four stolen bases already. And I think partially that is the rule, new rules. And partially that is because his legs are finally healthy. Um, I think Nimmo just stole his third today. Nimmo just stole his third base, which already matches his entire total from last year. Not um, a base dealer. I mean, yeah. I guess who knows now? Brave New he, World. He might be. <laughs> I think I think Brandon Nimmo might become a base dealer now, which would be great because he's a great already a great leadoff hitter, and the only thing that was missing was stolen base threat, and now he has that too. So I think that makes him an even better 
leadoff hitter because you walk him, which he walks like half the time. <laughs> he walks like <laughs> half the time he's up. You walk him. He's already on second base. No different this year than prior years. Nimmo be Nimmoing all over the place. We yes. love to see it. Yeah. Nimmo well, hasn't really found his stroke with the actual bat yet, but he's still walking just as much. His on-base percentage is still 421 or whatever, so it's fine. <laughs> um, even if he's only like hitting like 210 or something like that, uh, which is normal Nimmo things. Um, yeah, with the I mean, the Mets offense has been um fine. Uh Pete Alonso is hitting a ton of dingers. He has five dingers already through the Mets' first 10 games, and that is currently tied with Brian Reynolds for the league lead. So that is impressive. Um, But uh, something that I think is worth bringing up when we talk about the dingers and the juice balls from 2019 is the balls might be different yet again. Mm -hmm. Um, Send Meredith your baseballs. Yes. Send Meredith Wills your baseballs. If you have caught any, if you've been to any of the first 10 games of the season and you've caught a foul ball, send it to Meredith Wills for science, please, because it seems like we, (laughs) as we do every year, we need to study them yet again. Um, Meredith has noted on Twitter already um, that Buck Showalter and others have said that it feels slick. And she particularly uh, pointed out that that is distinct than how players and coaches etc were describing the ball last year as spongy um which is a different thing than slick this is like slick is like the cue ball feeling um and multiple people have said that about the balls already this year and the early data the early drag data indicate um that the ball has reduced drag um well, they and were blaming that on, on climate change Oh, yeah. I forgot about that piece. That was a cool piece. Yeah. Um, About the effect of climate change um, on on baseball. Um, that, yeah, that was an interesting piece. Um, so, I mean, it could be any number of things. Yeah. So and I think I think Rob Arthur at Baseball Prospectus, who's been like the the drag uh, the baseball drag data guru on this is is working on something. Um about this so we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that um but in the meantime pete alonzo is by far the mets hottest hitter <laughs> um starling Marte also looking very good um also i have season. to add i don't i can't remember if we have recorded since then but um pete alonzo also shut us all up on the facial hair thing so sure sorry did. Pete. <laughs> um, did not realize you were a loyal listener <laughs> we apologize for the dig to your facial hair situation you have proven us wrong that said he only started hitting once he shaved his mustache and yes. i feel like that is an indicator that we were right in spirit <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still i still feel like we were vindicated here fair fair <laughs> enough um about pete and his facial hair um but yeah, the Mets, the Mets hottest hitters right now, definitely Pete Alonso, Starling Marte, who we hope is okay after uh, taking a knee to the head in a headfirst slide um, the other day. Um, he should be fine. Uh, he's not playing tonight, but he hasn't gone on the injured list. And Buck Walter indicated that he might be available to pinch hit today. So hopefully that is just a minor. It was actually not like uh, concussion related was the concern. It was actually like a neck, like neck, like his neck, like hurt after he hit his head. So they're they, just they officially being called careful. it a neck strain, a neck strain. Um, so they're being careful about that. Um, and hopefully he'll be back in the lineup because he's been other than Pete Alonso, the Mets most potent threat so far. Um, I feel like most, like it's been, there have been a couple of like standout, like strong performers in Alonzo and Marte and a couple of like really standout, not good performers. And mostly everyone else has been somewhere in the middle. Um, the not good performers are notably Eduardo Escobar and, um, and Tomas Nito. They Um, desperately need another right-handed bat. That's what it comes down to. Well, if only those were two positions, they were particularly well set up to replace (laughs) no too bad stuck with those guys oh no forever i mean um you know in escobar you know hit a hit a home run the other day 
um, and like might be turning a corner. But even since then, he's looked kind of the same as before. And he's, um, you know, kind of not looked not looked all that good um, as much as it pains me to say, because I, I, I really do like Eduardo Escobar. Like, I feel like there's a little too much because people are clamoring so much for Brett Beatty and understandably so. I'm not knocking anyone for wanting Brett Beatty in the major leagues. We all wanted Brett Beatty in the major leagues on this podcast, but I feel like people are rooting a little too hard for Escobar to fail. And I just like I don't want that either. <laughs> I, I want him to be good. I think he would be fine as a DH. Yeah, platoon. Yeah, a platoon DH. And because fam ain't it. And La Castro ain't it. You cannot have fam, La Castro, and Nito all line up at the same time. It's just not. Not doing it. It's not what you want. (laughs) Because, like, at least. Like Escobar has at least taken a few competent at bats as a right-handed hitter. Yeah. Um, as a left-handed hitter, he looks awful. Um, yeah. And so they really need uh, just post haste get Brett Beatty up here. Like, please, I'm begging. Brett Beatty's killing it in the minors, by the way. He was injured for a little bit. He had um his thumb was sore, the one that was surgically repaired. Um, but he's back in the lineup now. So, um, and he's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. So. Um, that is something I would like to see. Um, Francisco Alvarez, on the other hand, is already here. Um, and not playing. Playing him. Um, so yeah, uh, since we last recorded, um, really the only major injury that has happened since we last recorded is that Omar Narvaez, the Mets starting catcher, is on the injured list with a medium to high grade calf strain and will be sidelined for eight to nine weeks. So the Mets brought up Francisco Alvarez. And I think everybody thought that if they were going to bring up Francisco Alvarez, he was going to play every day because they repeatedly said that that was the reason why they sent him down in the first place. Like if it, they said, he, if he's going to be here, we want him to catch every day and he can't do that in the major leagues right now. Okay, great. <laughs> your starting catcher just got hurt and your backup catcher is not hitting at all. So they bring up Francisco Alvarez and decide he's the backup catcher. <laughs> <laughs> Well, killing it, killing the game. I get it because he he did not look great behind the plate, too. I think they had like five stolen bases against him yesterday. So they are kind of stuck in a tough spot with him because he's not a good catcher. As it stands now, he he's not a good catcher. But so how do you balance his development? With, you know, getting him in the game, getting offense, and also somehow getting him to improve. But, like, so Nito has, like, a, like, 20, like, it's it's like a minus something WRC plus. Like, he, he's he's not hitting at all. No, no. His OPS was 243. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. I was like, uh, wait a second, that's his OPS? That's, as we say in the biz, not good. No. When I saw him come up to bat, I had to do a double take. I was like, I thought that was his average. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Um, but I don't know re- if Alvarez catching is the answer, too, because like I said, he he looked really bad. I mean, you just got to let him figure it out at this point. Like yeah. during if you're the time, give somebody a lot of bad at bats. It should be Alvarez and not Nito. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the the most worrisome part about it, I think, is like the quote that Buck Showalter gave about it, um, which he said, and I quote. It's kind of like a backup quarterback that gets drafted out of college. Everyone knows he's going to be a really good player, but the time he spends as a backup is very valuable too. Yeah. So Buck Showalter basically out and said like right when Alvarez was promoted that he was going to be the backup catcher, which is kind of like crappy to do to like immediately say that. And like, it's, it's clearly like a veteran hierarchy thing. Cause like, that's a big thing with Buck. Like, listen, I like Buck Showalter, Showalter, but he's very, he has a lot of deference to veterans. Um, And so this is very much a like Nito has seniority. So he plays more, but like, it's not like Alvarez is taking at-bats away from Nito. Nito was already the backup catcher before. 
Yeah, it's not like Needles My Piazza where you have to tread carefully. Like, this is like your franchise catcher who's going to be, you know, displaced and you have to treat him, you know. Like, Needles, like you said, was always a backup. Needles' whole role, like, the the way to optimize Tomas Needles' value is as a backup catcher. If you play him every day, he's too exposed. He's not a good hitter. He, the fact, he's a good defender. He's a good receiver, a good framer. He's a very good defensive catcher. One of the best in the league, in fact, although he did not put that on display today. No. <laughs> um, with those wild throws he had, but I think that's just a freak thing. Nito is usually better than that. Um, he's just having a bad day. It's fine. Um, but like he like the whole point of Tomas Nito is that he's a great backup catcher and that's like a great role. It's like the same thing as like Luis Guillorme is like the platonic ideal of a utility infielder. You do not want to play Luis Guillorme every day, but you absolutely want him as your utility infielder. It's the same situation. Like, why are they doing this? I mean, I, I do think it may be because a lot of the pitchers are struggling either directly with the pitch clock or with you know, nerves around the pitch clock that may or may not be warranted and that they want someone more experienced there during this transition time. And I'm just going to optimistically think that that's what it is. And then in like a week, they're just going to pretend that they never said that and go back to actually like putting out the best player available. I hope so. And that's certainly possible. But I mean, Alvarez caught the pitcher who's having the most trouble with the pitch clock in Carrasco. Um so I don't know. Well that's what they oh, but they also did point out that the stolen base yesterday also seemed to rattle Carrasco. So yeah. uh, maybe if Nito was back there, maybe you would have had a different outcome yeah. yesterday. I don't know. Unclear. I don't know. I I think Carrasco's issues go far beyond who's catching him at this point. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't put it past Max Scherzer to prefer the the more experienced catcher and the better defensive catcher for sure. For example, though, Tyler McGill and David Peterson both have ex- experience or do either of them have experience throwing Alvarez? Am I making probably that up? when they were rehabbing McGill might have. Right. I mean, Scherzer rehabbed also. Yeah. <laughs> so last year. So maybe he threw to him a lot. Scherzer um, did throw to Alvarez, I think, at least once when he was rehabbing. Right. Um, so, you know, hopefully hopefully they can just get accustomed to each other. Hopefully Alvarez plays a little bit more. Hopefully he hits himself into more playing time. Uh, he did get a hit in his only start. Um, went one for four, got an RBI. So we'll see. Um, also, if he doesn't play enough, when Narvaez comes back, they're just going to send him down again. So you need to at least give him a chance to say, no, I'm staying. Yeah. I'm not being sent back down. Right. I mean, if he outright wins the job, which would be great for the outlook on the Mets future catching situation. I don't know what the Mets do at that point. Probably try to trade Tomas Nito. Mm. But Tomas Nito is out here accumulating negative trade value. right? <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know what they do, but hopefully that's a problem that they have because that's a good problem to have, to have three good catching options. Um, I don't know but, if I would call them good. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like we can't get one good catching option and that is the problem. <laughs> Their powers combined. <laughs> I think was doing pretty good before he got hurt, honestly. He was better than I thought. Yeah, I will give him that. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like... He, he was hitting for a catcher. We'll put it that way. Like <laughs> he was not hitting, hitting, but he had like you know an eighty nine WRC plus, which I think Tomas Nito would kill for. Right? <laughs> Poor Nito. That's like it's like pretty good for a catcher in in the current in the current state of the game. At the very <laughs> least, it seemed likely that they could get a few more weeks before he turned back into a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He was getting timely singles. Like it was happening for him. Um, uh, kingdom for a timely single man. (laughs) Jeff McNeil had a timely double today and he needed that in the worst way. Boy, howdy. Did it go for a double or a triple? Oh, I don't know. Good question. Cause he did end up on third base, but I kind of assumed it was a double and then advance on the throw. Ah, shit. Oh, he got it. Never mind. (laughs) 
Sorry. What? <laughs> that was a journey. <laughs> Linda's <laughs> reacting to something that is not Jeff McNeil stuff. <laughs> um, it was a well struck ball, but Nemo tracked it down in the ending. <laughs> the Drew, Drew Smith was okay. <laughs> Drew Smith seventh inning guy is something that does not does not fill me with a lot of like confidence. <laughs> no, I mean, can I say though it was when- effective today. Yeah, he was okay. Um, but it, John Curtis came in the other day, and he has Voodoo Child as his entrance song. And Gare and Keith were raving about him. They're like, oh, he's got Hendrix. He's a guitar player. And none of them brought up that that was my fiance's entrance song. Yet another reason why John Curtis is my dude. Uh, I was like, how do you not bring, like, the Piazza was famous for that being his entrance song, and Gare doesn't even mention it? Yeah, that is odd. And Gare is usually a pretty good historian of these sorts of facts. Like, I'm sure John Curtis had no clue that that was Mike Piazza's entrance song. He, like, as being a guitar player, he probably looked up to Hendrix and, you know, maybe placed it on his guitar. Fine, I could buy that. But Gare, I am disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> but when, just, Gare, you just induced the librarian voice from Linda here. Yes. So. I'm I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Gare. Disappointed of knowledge has been allowed to extinguish. Yes. Ugh. Disappointed in someone not doing their research, a quintessential librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Personality trait. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so I just wanted on the record that that was also Mike Piazza's entrance song, and we should all be enjoying Curtis's bringing it back. Yep. And he's my dude. He's been doing good. Pretty. pretty he did. Good he, so far. Yeah, he got the sixth. And I, from what I could tell, I think he was getting squeezed on some pitches, but mm. then he worked out of a jam. Yeah. I think all our dudes are hanging in there, right? Yep. Yep. Well, mine's still in the minors. Yeah. But, but he's pitching well in the minors. He is. He is. Yeah. Yes. And Vaz is currently in Italy and found a Lucchese tree. <laughs> yeah. Via Lucchese. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm taking that as a good sign. Via is like street in Italian or avenue, yes. whatever like translation word you want to use. But it's what they call their streets there instead of street or way or it's via whatever. Um, And yeah, there was a via Lucchese that Vaz posted on Twitter, which was fantastic. Although in my nerd taking Latin class, the V's were pronounced as W's in ancient Rome. So it was via. Via. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, all our dudes hanging in. Obviously, Linda's dude's not yet contributed at the major league level, but no. he might. Uh, and Syracuse. He'll be our number three starter in like a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, probably with the way things are going. It's I was like say Carrasco ends up on a phantom IL. <laughs> seriously, we are dangerously close to Dylan Bundy hours, folks. I, <laughs> oh, I, he's the one I keep forgetting is a Met now. Yeah, he is. Um, I haven't actually seen how he's been pitching. I have not seen this. Let's see if we can find some stats. This is very exciting radio. It's another <laughs> in it's another episode of Allison looks stuff up. Allison <laughs> looks stuff up. How are you, Rap- Linda? Rap- I'm all right. How are, how are things going, Maggie? You know, here. Uh, Ken is batting. I can narrate the Met game. Excellent. Uh, looks like it's a one-two pitch, uh, and it's the bottom of the seventh. Man, the Mets yeah. are winning still two nothing. Yeah, they, they do go by so fast, like yeah. And I feel like um, there's a saying that kind of drives me crazy because it doesn't really hold true with when you have kids that like the days are long and the years are short. Short, yeah, um, I've heard that. And it does sort of feel like that way with the games nowadays. Like it's not that any one at bat feels like, woof, that was fast, but more just like every once in a while I look up, I'm like, it is the seventh inning. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Double, 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 double. Yay, Mark Hanna. Yay. We love I Mark still Hanna. give him I give him uh like last year's He's my a legacy points. dude. Yes. Legacy <laughs> dude. Excellent. <laughs> All right, I don't, I can't find any game logs for Dylan Bundy for 2020. That's probably not a great sign. <laughs> I don't like that. Is he hurt? I don't think so. It just, I mean, he was assigned to Syracuse Mets on March 25th, and I can find no evidence that he's pitched for them. 
<laughs> Can he just not show <laughs> up? It up right, he also I'm... forgot he was a man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I might just not be like looking it up right, but uh, I see no game logs on M- MILB. Well, it turns out he like went missing somewhere along the way. It's oh, like, oh, Jesus! That, did that stay me. fair? Okay. Oh my gosh, it did. <laughs> did Luiski Arme just like hit a dribbler that stayed? No, fair? he bunted, and they just get and all the infielders are just sitting there watching it roll, watching it roll, watching it roll, and then it just died and stayed. There. <laughs> Incredible! I do scenes. love that. That is one of the like great anticlimaxes in baseball when it's just like, well, that's a hit now. That right there, it's a hit. Great. Yeah. Anyway, I derailed us for absolutely no reason, but I I still think Dylan Bundy exists at least in theory. So. We're pretty close he to did exist recently. To, we're pretty close to Dylan Bundy hours, and if we're not, we're very close to Joey Lucchese hours. It's like really, really close to happening. Um, <laughs> hey, but, there's nothing wrong with the churv. Nope, nope. Believe in the churv. I believe in the churv. In wider baseball news this week, um, the uh, Royals, the Kansas City Royals. Um, uh, spoke out about unsafe working conditions at Kaufman Stadium. Um, and yeah, that the, it's it's not good, folks. Uh, they like it's about the quality of water that's provided to them um, and that it's not clean, basically. And that they um, can't just like bring their own water like everyone else might be inclined to do. Which is not. Yeah, this so that's crazy not ideal we'll put the tweet uh in the show notes and the tweets and everything but um but yeah the the good on the workers for speaking out um and and bringing this to everyone's attention but yeah clean drinking water at work should probably be like a thing that everyone's entitled to (laughs) just in my personal opinion like bare minimum literal the bot literally the bottom of the hierarchy of needs like the literal bottom yeah Uh, i think the mets just scored i looked up and saw somebody running home uh yeah three nothing (laughs) yeah in play runs three nothing mets yeah (laughs) oh escobar had a sacrifice fly so that's what happened all right so that's a thing that'll i'll take it progress progress Look, um, if you did that every time, we wouldn't be having any of these conversations. So, exactly. Um, uh oh, Nito's up. Here's your time, <laughs> chance to redeem yourself after we spent the whole podcast <laughs> complaining mm. about Puerto Mas Nito. Um, but uh, a, a, another baseball story that I actually meant to cover on the podcast last week, but I literally forgot to put it in the show notes. So we're talking about it this week. Um, was uh, another classic quote from our favorite person, Rob Manfred, um, <laughs> which actually the quote is not really from him. It's him agreeing with a with a senior owner. I don't I don't know who that is, but uh, a few guesses as to who it could be. But the senior owner said, you know, I don't know what this analytics thing is, but I have like 75 guys. What I want to do is I would like to spend a week in the analytics department. I was going to figure out what the hell these guys do. And the commissioner asked him out. Oh, my God. No way. Sorry. (laughs) Tomas Nino just hit a dribbler up the line and they let it go again. And it's Steve Fair. (laughs) Oh, look, man, when Tomas Nino is beating you out for an infield hit. You just need to think about the choices you're making in life. But they, but they didn't bother. They thought it was going to go fair, like with your maze bun, and it just died again. <laughs> it happened twice. That they was like the, the ball. This was like when, like, wait. So in pretty short succession, we've had a Dan Vogelbach infield hit, a Luis Giorme infield hit, and a Tomas Nito infield hit. I think those are the three slowest dudes on the team. <laughs> Oh my god, the bench is hysterical. <laughs> I, I am not kidding. I think Daniel Vogelbach is faster than Luis Guillorme. I think he is actually. Remember I think he would beat Guillorme in a foot race. I think he would. Like I think it would so be too. close. Guillorme is another in a in a line of uh Mets infielders who have 
not looked fast, but then are somehow even slower than they look. And I think of Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores just seemed like he was running through quicksand. (laughs) Right. And every time Luis Guillorme starts running, I'm like, oh, he's going to be medium fast. And it's it's like the video gets stuck in slow motion. I don't understand what's going on. I think the thing that confounds me, uh, uh, confounds me about it with Guillaume is that like he he's such a good fielder, and he so he gets to every ball and covers an insane amount of range on the infield. That I'm just like, oh, he's fast. Yeah. No, that's not it. His instincts are just that good, and his he's hands quick. are good. It's quick, not fast. I feel right. like that's yeah. he's the guy who explains the difference. But then on the base pass, he goes to run, and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> so like, slow. how does the ball get there like five minutes before he does? Like, well, anyway. Volkabach, I feel like he's a slow starter, but then gets momentum on his side, and then he can kind of scoot. Yeah, he can kind of scoot. Low-key, he can. So that's why I think Vogelbach's actually faster than Guillaume. But yeah. I, I need to test this. We need we need to test this theory. I want to see them race. Um. Anyway, having the three slowest dudes on the team get infield hits is like pretty great. Um. Obsessed with that, especially yep. when it scores a run too. Also obsessed with that. So sorry to interrupt. Please continue. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Um. So as as we were saying before, <laughs> before the Mets got a hilarious infield hit. Um. This senior owner uh has this huge analytics department. He has no idea what they do. Um. And the commissioner was talking to him about it and was like, Rob Manfred asked him how to go, and he replied, "Well, you know, I got a lot of smart guys down there, but I'm absolutely convinced that analytics is an arms race to nowhere." So he like spent time and like tried to figure out what his analytics department was doing, couldn't figure it out and just decided analytics is nonsense. And and Rob Manfred responded by saying, it's become one of my favorite lines because I think it's actually true. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, oh, because I don't understand it. That means it must be a stupid thing that we need to get rid of. Well, that's also that is definitely one of those things that a dumb person will say and another dumb person will think it sounds super smart. Right. Yeah. No, someone tweeted the best the best thing I've seen about this. Um, and, and forgive me, I cannot remember who it was. If it was, if I remembered, I would give you credit. I'm so sorry if you're listening because it's probably someone I follow. <laughs> um, but someone tweeted that anal- in baseball, analytics is like woke. It's basically like anything I don't like is analytics and the word has like lost all meaning. Yeah. It's like whenever somebody says something is woke, like no one can define what woke actually means. And Rob Manfred can't define what analytics actually means. So like he just thinks like any trend he doesn't like any trend the game is going in that he doesn't like is analytics. Like they're just going woke (laughs) over there. If there's a number involved, it must be science. It's I can't deal with your woke analytics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's been special i mean like oh, there's oh, a way to have this conversation oh right? fair ball, fair ball. Oh, oh, oh go 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 i mean there are major problems with the way analytics are used in baseball which is mostly to like depress salaries right um yes but like that doesn't mean that the numbers are bad the numbers aren't gonna hurt you <laughs> they're numbers that's not the arms race that's conceptual that's not the arms race that Manfred's talking about. Maggie, like, please tell me that was a lost reference. <laughs> the numbers are bad. <laughs> it wasn't, but it could be in spirit. And it can be the episode title. Oh, the, the numbers, numbers are, are bad. bad. Yes. Yes. The numbers are bad. We're going to go with that. Um, But like when he when Rob Manfred and the and the owners are talking about an arms race to nowhere, they're talking about like we have to employ these giant analytics departments and pay them all. And when everybody has it, it's not special anymore. Like teams, like some teams aren't smart because they have more analytics people because everybody has it. That's what they're trying to say. Um, it's the, it's literally the, the villain from the Incredibles. <laughs> when everyone is special, no one Nobody is. is. <laughs> like that, like Rob Manfred has the same like emotional maturity as the villain syndrome that's <laughs> syndrome <laughs> that's what this is um so anyway <laughs> like what if the astros 
or the protagonists. Yeah, right. Like, but they're I not just... the Incredibles. Like, anyway, yeah. I... And he goes on to elaborate and says, like, the competitive advantage piece, I think there was a point in time where if your analytics department was more developed than somebody else's, maybe you got that little edge. Right now, everybody's playing that same game. Like, I don't know how you can look at the sport and say that. Like, I know that everybody employs analytics people now. Like, I, he's right about that. But, like, I don't know if how you can look at the game and say that all the uh, every organization is on a level playing field with that. That's just simply incorrect. Like... I am deeply sorry to the Washington Nationals, but they are not on the same level as the Dodgers and the Yankees and the other smart analytics teams in the race. That's just like not true. Well, the Mets were famously behind in a lot of analytics ways before Steve Cohen came to town. Yeah, exactly. Um, And they weren't unique in that either. And most other teams did not get a Steve Cohen to come and lift them out of tragic poverty. Like, I don't, Rob Manfred is basically insinuating that there's no such thing as smart teams anymore or smart organizations. And that's just not true. Like, and it's not just about the size of your analytics department either. Like it's, it's about putting the investment into it and like hiring the right people. Like smart trying to find the new edges because he is right that they're marginal differences now. And, but you just got to keep finding those margins. Well, not sure at this point if Rob Manfred is just outright lying or if he just has no clue what goes on in his own sport. It's definitely both, Linda. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it is a little of column A, a little of column B. Like, it's unnerving that I can't tell which is which with him anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it yes. is unnerving. <laughs> really a, like, headliner for the stupid or lying tour. Or he's like the principal Skinner. Am I out of touch? No, it's the analytics that are wrong. <laughs> Someone make that image and tweet it to us. Yes. Someone make that for us. I don't want to make it. No, yeah. Yeah, send it to me, please. Um, so speaking of am I out of touch, <laughs> um, we have another we have another uh, edition of I took the form of a 45-year-old white man for a reason. I can only fail up. Um Frequent flyers, Orioles, and Angels again this week. (laughs) (laughs) They're becoming the two two most frequent flyers on this segment. That's not a good thing at all. They Um, know that there's no prize for this, right? Yeah, there is no prize at the end. Sorry. You don't have to keep trying. Um, So uh, John Angelos uh, is, as it turns out, I know this will shock every single person listening into submission. Uh, he's not going to share the Orioles books after all. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. He's wow. probably not sharing the books because they make exactly the minuscule amount of money that they claim to. That makes sense to me. Like, that remember, they're not going to share the books because they're just telling the truth. Remember when MLK Day was sacred and we, we couldn't do this on MLK Day, but <laughs> you can come, you reporters can come anytime. To the to Camden Yards to the warehouse, and I will open all the books and I will show you everything. He told the Baltimore Sun he will not be doing that. Um, <laughs> and and basically did like not only that, but he went a step further and basically did a no you, and like was like when will the Baltimore Sun open its books? And the Baltimore Sun was like, huh? what? That, the, like <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, nobody's questioning our books. <laughs> like he was like no you like. I, I live in Maryland. I'm from here. And like, uh, like all like basically because the Baltimore Sun headquarters is in like in New York, I think. And so like he's basically calling them like out interlopers and like saying that like he's the only one that actually cares about Baltimore and all these insinuations. He's trying to move the team out of Baltimore. Like I'm from here and I'm the only one who's actually from here. And, and I'm just like, he's, oh. he's, I know you are, but what am I the Baltimore sun? Yes. That's his, uh, all right. <laughs> that That's is his... his exact tactic on this. Um, the best of luck to him with all that. <laughs> yep. Um, and he literally said, and I quote, I'm not going to be able to pull out the payrolls and show, show you everything financially, but I can give you a full picture for the business. I can certainly give you a picture of what our objectives are. (laughs) He'll get us entirely up to date on their vibes. Yeah. We've we've got vibes for you. We've got vibes. Um, 
And it's just like, it's just so funny because this is almost like the exact same quote as the developmental objectives thing with Brett Beatty. It's just literally like the word objectives is being thrown around, like just as weird, like business guy speak and no one knows what the objectives are, but there are objectives. (laughs) They're going to go work on them at the business factory. Yeah, like I can give you a full picture for the business. I can certainly give you a picture of what our objectives are, re Brett Beatty or re the Orioles financials. Oh, he's Unikitty from Lego movie. Business, 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 numbers. <laughs> but the numbers are bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, you know, in a, a move that will shock no one. He just went, no, you show us your books. I can't. And that was it. <laughs> Um, you can see my books. Yeah, they are very short. Yeah, <laughs> same. I just filed my taxes. Let me tell you, <laughs> not pretty. Uh, I can show them a different kind of books since I work in a library. Hey, there you go. I can give them like baseball for dummies if you really needed it. Much better books. <laughs> um, in in other news, the the angels entry for the I took the form of a forty five year old white man for a reason I can only fill up this week, um, is that Sam Bloom Blum I am not sure how to pronounce his last name I'm sorry Sam, um, the angels writer for the Athletic, um, and probably not coincidentally the same guy who reported the story about the angels doing the remote radio broadcasts this year that we talked about last week on the show was kicked off. The Beat Reporter Roundtable show on the Angels affiliate radio network for, quote, bringing negativity to an upbeat show okay. <laughs> by covering <Yikes>. the team. <laughs> uh, so I mean, cool. I don't know if I would go around publicizing what a big downer my baseball team is. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's that's great. <laughs> So um, they just want state media, basically. Yep. Yep. It's it's the same thing as a certain former president kicking people out of the White House press corps. Um, very similar thing. We only want friendly media voices and not people who actually like cover the team in any sort of like critical way. Um I mean, like, listen, the Mets, I mean, I don't think that like anything like this anything like this has happened at least lately with like the Mets radio network, if only because I don't think they have an equivalent show necessarily, but like, you know, look at the people who cover the Mets for SNY versus other outlets and the difference in their coverage is all I can say. Like, you know, it's very friendly. Like they want the people who are friendly to the team to talk about the team. I mean, it's funny because probably the booth is like the least team friendly of all of them, of like any <laughs> at and, times, yeah. You know, I don't know that that's usually, and I mean, I guess that's just probably a like seniority thing, but yeah, no, for sure. The rest of SNY is uh, a little less thoughtful about it all than those guys are. I mean, like Andy Martino presented all this stuff about like the developmental objectives and the quotes about Alvarez, like without comment, like just acted as team stenographer and like. Like, you know that all this stuff they're saying makes no sense. Like, please interrogate that a little bit. Ask the question. Like, it wasn't him who asked what asked uh, Epler what the developmental objectives are that got, like, the sputtered, like, oh, shit, I didn't prepare for this part response. <laughs> My kingdom um, for a follow-up question. Yeah. Exactly. Just one follow-up question. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that, like, he's not happy about this but like kudos to sam because it probably means he's doing a good job like honestly the fact that the team doesn't like your coverage probably probably means you're doing a good job covering the team (laughs) that's like what journalism is like you're not doing real journalism if you don't upset the people you're covering sometimes um otherwise you're just like just doing stenography for the team yeah, you become state media at that point. Yep, pretty much. Or just yeah, mouthpiece for the for the team. Yep. Um but yeah, so um 
that does it for the show this week, but we will finish the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that's making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, I guess I would have to go with um my son who is a huge huge Subway fan had an opportunity for the month of April to record a subway announcement that will play in the very official MTA stations, which we have all become accustomed to. And so I would say my walk-off win is Thomas getting to do MTA subway announcements. It was pretty awesome. His his, his came out really well. Um, A very quick hat tip to podcast ad Brian, who helped me with his submission <laughs> with a couple of little tweaks. Um, and yeah, so I, if um, if you're in kind of most of the major stations, like uh, it's Penn Station, uh, 34th Street Penn Station, um, 14th Street Union Square, Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center, um, and a few others, uh, if you hear a young boy named Thomas at that's that's our guy he'll be telling you to take your garbage that's great we love it i want to go back to new york just so i can hear him but sadly that would be a far trip for me but i I feel like i need video of someone visiting a station and hearing his voice yes we're we're working on it how long is it gonna play for uh just through the end of april okay cool so a short window but someone out there someone out there will get it like Thousands of people will hear it every day. I know a lot of people who ride the subway. Yes. Uh, someone said there that it was going to be like like 2 million people pass through those stations. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. cool. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, I have a couple that I think about it. Well, my first walk-off win is I got to test out the new Grand Central Madison over the weekend uh, to keep it with the train theme. I was going to say transit. Yeah, we love transit, Um, which was, it was, I mean, they weren't kidding about the escalator. The escalator (laughs) is no joke Um, because it is like you're like going straight down into like the depths. And um, I think they said it's like a minute and a half escalator ride um so yeah you're 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 going down there um but it, it was it was really nice um they did a really good job like the mosaics that they all have up was really nice and oh yeah the the, the like blue ones yes those were so pretty yes i really like those um as a librarian, I appreciate good signage. They had good signage, so everything was easy to find, like the tracks. And um, so, yeah, it was just it's it just made everything so much easier to head out on to Long Island. Um, and so I, I feel like this was probably something that they should have done years ago, but they probably wanted to do it years ago. And then there was probably multiple shockingly, things. it's been in the works for like 40 years. Yeah, <laughs> not surprising. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, uh, utilize it again because it does, it makes heading out to Long Island so much easier from Westchester. And what was nice too is, um, you could just buy one ticket now when you get on the train in Westchester and it'll take you straight through. And then it said any Long Island stop. So I could like ride it all the way to the end, really. And it'll cost me the same as if you got off at the first stop, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and then coming back too, it was, you could buy it for any Westchester stop. So they did make it, I don't know if they're going to keep it that way, but um, but yeah, it definitely made it cheaper than having to buy two separate tickets for the two separate um, train train lines. Um, so that was nice. Um, then. Uh, my second walk-off win is uh, just the nice weather. I've always loved spring, and I feel like the past few years we haven't really gotten to spring. It's been like a like drab March weather until like June, where all of a sudden it becomes summer. Um, so like cold, rainy, gross. But this week is supposed to be really, really nice, and just the nice weather always puts me in a good mood because spring is my favorite um my favorite season so i just i just want 
the warm weather to stay and like it's good baseball weather and you can drive with your windows open and uh, I'm so looking forward to the rest of the week and then I can wear my cute outfits <laughs> I shaved my legs this weekend ha! yeah yeah exactly it's just that's like... what I've got to say to this weather yeah bring it on <laughs> I the the clothes for warm weather are superior. So. They are. I put away all my winter clothes. I was like, I'm done. They're going no. away. So I did that today. Yeah. Sadly, at the home opener, it was cold. It was yeah. freezing. But I mean, like, it didn't rain, so that's good. Um. But yeah, this week's supposed to be really nice. Um. And I remember, like, when I was in New York, it was cold, and I forget like what day it was, but it was one of the days, and it was pretty chilly. And then, like, I was like. It's 80 degrees in DC right now. What the hell? <laughs> um but yeah, no. I I always feel just so much lighter and better when the weather starts warming up. I am I I'm over the cold and I'm done with it. So, I feel you, Linda. I agree. Um my walk-off win for this week. Uh I have a few. <laughs> well, it's mostly just like the past week has been really nice because um, Michael and I went to New York and spent the week up there with family um, and we got to meet our new nephew, Luke. Um, and that was just really nice um, getting to hang out with Michael's sister and his brother-in-law and their new baby. Um, we had a great time and spend the week spent the week with Michael's mom. We also got to see my family on Saturday um, and we went to the home opener with my dad on Friday and it was my first Mets home opener ever. Um, despite my many years of Mets fandom, I've never been to a home opener. Um, and so I was really excited about that. It was chilly, but it was great. And the Mets won. Um, and it was just a nice day all around. Um, got to eat empanadas at City Field. They were delicious. Shout out to Empanada Mamas. Really good. Um, highly recommend. And then, um, so that's just like, I just had a really nice week in New York. Um, so that's my first walk-off win. And my second walk-off win um was a, is a late breaking one but i have to mention it on the podcast i would be i would i would be sad if i didn't mention it um this morning on mlb.com and shout out to my dad he alerted me to the existence of this article this morning on mlb.com i saw that there was an article that went up about dave smith uh, the founder of retrosheet and about the site retrosheet um by brian murphy of mlb.com and shout out to brian murphy for writing this article because Dave Smith is my personal hero. Um, he is he was a biology professor um, at Delaware when I was there, um, and he was my genetics professor and my academic advisor, and he's the founder of RetroSheet. And there's no single person who has had a greater influence on me in my career than Dave Smith um, because I never knew that there was someone out there who is as passionate about both genetics and baseball as me, <laughs> but that person does exist. And his name is Dave Smith and he is the founder of retro sheet, um, which is just so cool. Um, and like, he knows I've told him many times, but like, I would not be the person that I am without him. Um, he taught me that, you know, you can be a badass scientist and also really love baseball and really do like deep dives into baseball history and, get to follow both those passions at once so um i i love that he's getting his getting his the recognition that he deserves because retro sheet is an incredible triumph um and, and baseball historians use it all the time it's such a great resource um and he did it like he, he obviously has a whole team of people now that are helping him but like they did this all through blood sweat and tears it's nonprofit. they did it all on their own um, just through, you know, the goodness of their hearts and like caring and a passion for the game. So um, shout out to shout out to Brian Murphy at MLB.com for writing this article about RetroSheet. It always warms my heart to see Dave Smith get the recognition he deserves for the place that he's played in baseball history. So thank you for that. So that's my other walk off win was getting to read that piece today, which I will link in the show notes and the tweets. Um, that does it for the show this week. Uh, you can follow uh, Home Run Applesauce on all of the various social medias, Twitter and Instagram at Home Run Applesauce. You can go to patreon.com slash Home Run Applesauce uh, to find our Patreon. And please, 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 if you can um, support our work, $5 per month gets you a lot of extra stuff, access to our Discord server, live stream events, 
so many extra, so much extra content, two bonus pods a month, um, really cool stuff. And it really helps support our work. Um, so thank you for th- those of you who have already be- become patrons and those who will become patrons in the future. Patreon.com slash Homer and Applesauce. Um, follow uh, Homer and Applesauce at HR Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. Uh, you can follow it on Instagram and TikTok as well. Same handle. You can email the show, aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. We love hearing questions from you guys. We will answer them on the podcast if you send them to us. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? I Linda Cervich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can find Home Run Applesauce, proudly part of the Fans First Sports Network. Wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe and please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro uh, music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets and don't forget there's no crying in pockets.